Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We do this every day. I'm Pat Mulroy, the supervisor of the World of Learning Institute. The World of Learning Institute provides virtual world language instruction and other courses like calculus and chemistry when it's difficult for a school or a district to find a teacher. We're here to talk to you about what we do every day that makes virtual learning authentic, relevant, and engaging. And you can connect with me by email at pmulroy at worldoflearninginstitute.com, or you can head to our webpage, worldoflearninginstitute.com, and hit help or uh, any of the number of features we have for contacting us on our webpage. And I'm super excited today. I have Ashley Herzog. She's one of our Spanish teachers. Uh, and Lauren and Olivia are joining us. Most of you have um, heard from Lauren and Olivia, and I asked them to join us because Ashley uh, and I had a conversation last week, and she's told me about her uh, journey to learning Korean, which I said, oh, this is something that people are going to want to hear about because, you know, Korean is not like a language that necessarily... You think a Spanish teacher is going to say, I want to go pick up that next language. And the other reason that um, Ashley and I got excited about talking for the podcast today was because she's also teaching one of our um, new pilot courses called Survival Spanish that um, Olivia has visioned and built or is building. And uh, Lauren is also building some of our storyboard content. So I thought that we could have that conversation today, the three of us. And Ashley is the person who is just always willing to take something on. So I just want to raise that up too. We are, we love working with Ashley. So Ashley, thanks for taking some time out on, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, folks. So she's super dedicated. Um, So Ashley, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the Korean and We'll let it flow from there. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Ashley. Um, To jump into things, it kind of all started back at the opening of the pandemic, right? We had so much time at home. I was consuming way more media than I had at any point in time in my life. And I kind of stumbled across a Korean pop group, BTS, which if you're into K-pop, you're either going, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of hearing about BTS or, oh my gosh, I love BTS. You're, You're somewhere on that spectrum. And it was a very, very slippery slope from there where it went from just BTS to other groups. And then once the pandemic kind of lifted a bit, then it was concerts and meeting up with new friends and going to all these different like K-pop oriented events. And I was consuming a lot of media based on the K-pop groups. Um, They have what they call variety shows, which they do like fun little games and get to know one another. And it's just fun to watch. And I thought to myself, man, this would be so much easier if I didn't have to wait sometimes for subtitles. Like I would watch the shows in Korean and then I'd wait a day or two or sometimes weeks until it would get subtitles out. And then I could go back and say, oh, my gosh, that was funny. Like now that I know what's happening, it's even funnier. Uh, So I thought, well, if I just learned this language, wouldn't that make my life easier? And then I started on my own kind of trying to learn the Korean alphabet um, which is obviously very different than what we have in the English alphabet and that was a very tricky start and then I thought okay well what online resources are there so I was going through all these different apps and different web pages and downloading textbooks and buying like paper textbooks to read through and practice writing 
And it's just been a very long kind of trip to get to the point of taking online classes through the Orlando Korean Culture Center, which I actually saw from a K-pop Facebook group, which was a really interesting way to stumble across them. That's actually how I got this job with the world of learning as well, was I saw an ad on Facebook and came to you guys. So it was all meant to be. I just, I love Facebook, apparently. There you go. That's awesome. Ashley, I've often as a language teacher and learner myself, like wanted to get, in fact, I put this, this was an unaccepted proposal to Actful, was to have a like roundtable discussion about language, being language learners, right? And to get teachers together who are super proficient in whatever language we teach, but who are like back at novice level in something else. And for me, it's been ASL. I, you know, I've had ASL in my life, my whole life, um, or at least since I was about five or six for family reasons. But, you know, it progressed a little when I was a kid and then was stagnant for many years. And then recently, you know, in the past three or four years, decided I was going to take some, some college classes. And I was back in language, like I was in the seat learning the language, someone else was teaching it to me. And besides being tempted to critique all kinds of like pedagogical choices, which is like impossible not to do once you're a teacher, right? Um, Just like the humility of learning a language again and feeling like you're blundering through things and like you can't, when we are people, those of us who are into languages, we probably pride ourselves on some level of being articulate, right? Absolutely. Um, So I'm just wondering, you know, what it's been like for you to be a language learner and if that's shaped how you've been thinking about simultaneously your teaching, right? So how you've been thinking about your teaching. So first and foremost, I have the like a much higher level of empathy, especially for my level one learners, because being called on in a class with we have about 40 people in the class that I've never met in my life. And he says, say this sentence out loud. And I'm thinking, oh, no anybody in the room but me I'm begging you and I'll say it and then you you sit there in front of the classroom and he's like well here's what you said here's where it was wrong here's what you should do do you want to try again and I'm like internally screaming no I really don't want to but the teacher in me is like I would expect and hope that my student would say yes so I'm going to Uh, and you're right I do I think a lot about well is this the best way we could be learning this material or Maybe on my own, I could try something else branching off from what he does. And it definitely makes me think about how I'm building my lessons for my students and kind of finding the edge of their comfort zone and taking them maybe a step out, but not so far out that they're starting to shut down. That's so important. I think that that empathy piece is huge. I think it's really interesting to think about when I compare it with my experience, you know, learning French. Um when I studied in France, I I studied abroad my junior year of university, and I was enrolled in a small uh, university in Lille in the north of France. And I was enrolled directly into the program for students who were learning to be French teachers. So I had, it would be almost like an uh, ELL program if you were in the United States. Like I, I speak English natively, I want to become an English teacher. These were French students who wanted to be French teachers. Um, like to people who didn't speak French. Okay. Mm -hmm. And part of the requirements of the program is that you had to take a rare language, they called it. Um, And I think it basically alternated between Russian and Dutch. And the year that I was there was Russian. And it was meant to, by design, kind of humiliate you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because when I came to my advisor, like almost in tears, because I was just felt so embarrassed in that class 
it was at 7 p.m. after a really long day and I used to trudge home and it was often raining and I would just be so sad, like, you know. Um, and she said, oh, don't worry. They do that on purpose so that you'll know, so you'll remember what it's like uh. to learn a language for the first time. Because, you you know, this is for native speakers of French, you know. Um, so even less, like, say you had learned no other language, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, the, he would put things on tests that we had never seen to kind of create that panic and, like, um, oh. interesting choices there. Um, <laughs> but I do think that I always remember that and I always go back to it. And that empathy piece is huge. So do you think that, like, the, the U.S. should have some sort of requirements like that? Like, when, you know, and if you're becoming a, a language teacher, like, should should we have some sort of requirement like that where we take a language that not other people, not many other people know, so you can't come in with an advantage? Sub-question, um, <laughs> what's it like to learn a language that, I mean, have you found Korean people around you that you can practice with? I mean, it's kind of, you know, no, I don't, I can name a few people I know who speak Korean, but, um, you know, have you found other people to speak with? So I personally have not found anybody in the like real day to day life that I can practice with. Um, I do still have my classmates in this Kakao Talk chat app that we all try to message each other in Korean from time to time, which is, again, it's very haltering for me. Um, but I don't have anybody to actually practice out loud with. So if somebody wants to comment on this podcast and practice with me, I'm not good, but I am enthusiastic, please. As for your other question, do you think we should have a similar requirement? I don't know that we want to humiliate other teachers, but I think <laughs> it would be good. Good answer. <laughs> don't yep. want to humiliate anyone. But I don't think it's a bad idea to get thrown into a situation that's just really, you know, very uncomfortable or you're very confused and see it from the perspective of a first year student. I mean, I haven't been a first year student of a language until now since I was in what, like sixth or seventh grade, and I'm 26 now. So it has been very humbling and very eye opening. Like some of the things I do in teaching are my expectations too high? Are they too rigid? You know, do I need to adjust just as much as I'm seeing? I wish that my teacher would adjust in this classroom. I want to jump on that, Ashley, because that's what I think, like, as we're hearing and chuckling about the intimidation factor, like, I just want to, I guess, um, pull out what is valuable about that experience and identify what might be problematic <laughs> about that experience. Like, I think if you're sitting in that classroom and you're realizing, wow, to be comprehensible, I really have to be slow or I really mm -hmm. have to use my facial expressions better. Or I really have to be sure to like, you know, use context or gestures or whatever all those lovely skills are that are hard to develop, honestly, that we all work on honing then it's super valuable. I don't, I just, I guess just like the integrity of the profession, I have to say <laughs> something here. Yeah. Like, like early learning language is not supposed to be right. inherently intimidating or confusing. Like there are some parts of it that are discomfort, you know, is not in and of itself a bad thing, but feeling embarrassed or humiliated is not good for learning any yes. subject. And we know in language research that that feeling embarrassed does not it's not like, oh, you got to go through that tough thing and then you learn it better. Like if you, if we intimidate to the point, and I know that you guys, I'm preaching the choir, but <laughs> I just feel like it has to be put out there that there's something about, I've had moments where I'm sitting in a really loving, accepting, wonderful learning experience. Like my ASL teacher that I had the same teacher for two semesters. She was awesome. 
and she did not try to intimidate us. But there were still moments where I was like, wow, she's going what I'm sure feels like very slow to her and I still need it slower, you know? And so I think if that's the outcome, if you sort of realize really what is that experience like to be sitting, what does it take for the brain to really process? We're getting contextual clues. I'm getting, I'm building on past knowledge. I'm, you know, and I just need a minute like that think time. You know, if it, if it sort of drives that home, then I think it's a really valuable experience. I don't know the way you portrayed it, Lauren, made it sound like it was designed almost to do something, almost like a warning, which isn't a bad thing either. Yeah, like, like a warning, a what like not, if you what not to do, and there are right. kind of like a what that not do to that. do. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you're not doing these things because look how they feel. Yeah. I got really good grades in the course, and I think he did that on purpose. <laughs> you know, so I mean, like it was like you did it, you you know, now you get it, um, mm. type of thing. So it was not, it was only psychologically damaging. It was not. Da- <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't hurt your GPA. That's the worst damage, <laughs> right. I think. <laughs> um, no, but once I once it was explained to me, maybe all the French students knew that going into it that this is just like a it's more of an experience. Of you know, I was thinking, oh. okay, at very academically, I need to now learn Russian. It's on my schedule. You know, maybe you know coming in into the third year like that, um, I didn't have all the information necessary. But it's true. I mean, I think. Anytime, you know, it reminds me too of my special education classes where, you know, you would read a passage and it would say, this is what it's like for someone who has mm-hmm. dyslexia. And right. then it's mm-hmm. just like kind of just putting your feet, putting your shoes in someone else. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> putting your feet in the, someone else's shoes, walking in their shoes. My goodness, I can't even speak today. Friday. Don't um, it's Friday. 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 The Friday brain <laughs> um, really is just like, it's all about that. And and how do you recreate that for students and then also create that safety? Um so have you tried any strategies like this year that feel new and you kind of tying it into the survival Spanish? I know that like um, I've, I've seen that course. I'm a, like, I admire that course so much. And um, a big part of that class is right, Olivia and Ashley, it's building that community, mm-hmm. um, being OK with taking risks, um, guessing right? And, oh, and yeah. being okay with that discomfort of like, I'm just going to give this my best shot. So many kids just want to know the right answer right away. Um, so has that kind of built a really nice little community this year, Ashley? I think so. Yes. So the classes I have for that are relatively small, which is also nice. I, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't do it with over like 20 kids. I think that would be a maxed out amount. Uh, but they do feel way more comfortable throwing an answer in the chat box that feels like it's out of left field. But I'm like, yes, that was actually it. That was perfect. And they do feel mm-hmm. more comfortable guessing in the chat box. Um, we're still not quite confident with answering out loud, but we are getting there. Like if I prepare a reading and they just want to like feel the words in their mouth is kind of how I say it. Just go through, like kind of try to fumble your way through, sound the letters out. What is the Spanish alphabet kind of sound like when you're producing it and not just hearing it. Mm -hmm. And I think they're really kind to each other. I will say they're Mm -hmm. very, very kind, which not that all of my classes don't have kind students, but you do have those couple that might like tease or be like, oh my gosh, you said that funny. And there's just none of that in these love, like in this survival Spanish. They're very kind to one another. They're kind to me. They're very open to trying new things. And I've had a lot of time too to share more cultural information than I feel like I ever have in a Spanish one class and incorporate language into that. And I will say, I almost feel like my survival one kiddos at this point are more comfortable listening to me speak in Spanish than some of my Spanish two kids are. And Olivia, I, I yeah, seriously, major applause <laughs> for Olivia. 
because I feel more comfortable using the target language. Like I can stay in the target language at that 90% mark much easier than I've ever felt in any other year. And I've kind of been taking that and doing it now in my Spanish twos and in my Spanish threes. And I think it has just improved me as an instructor, like across the board. And I think my lessons have changed. I'm using different tools than before. And the kids are open to it. Like, yeah, you want to do a jam board. You want to try a pair deck, throw a book it in there. Like, yeah, let's write on the board. I mean, they're open to really anything. Well, that makes me think about, sorry. (laughs) No, no. I just want to jump in real quick because I think before we get past this piece, you talked about the culture that creates, they're kind to you, they're kind to each other Mm -hmm. and they're willing to try things. So in the beginning of that, we talked about creating a safe space because we're talking about this idea of that, you know, you got to have other people feel that empathy, like kind of in a false way, which creates maybe some psychological damage. (laughs) Um, And then, but then, you know, and then now we're over here with this, you know, new thing that you're trying, Ashley. Mm -hmm. And were there things that you did differently when you approached this class, like when you set up, like, okay, here's how we're going to be together this year. Oh, really good question. Um, I think I am, I know that I am way less grammar based. I am not going in like, this is a verb and this is an adjective and here's how you conjugate it. Like it's very natural and they can reproduce it then on their own in other situations, which is what I was personally, I don't know that skeptical was the right word, but I was a little nervous. Like, is this going to be effective enough that they can remember it and reuse it in other contexts? And they can, they can do it. And it has been really interesting because once I personally bought into the program and I knew they had bought in, it's just been like smooth sailing since I build my lessons with fluency in mind, with conversation, with me. Like I do a lot of picture talk, a lot of movie talk, and that's not something I had done in the past, but we're getting so much CI and I just love it. I find it way more fun to teach now. <laughs> I'm really excited to go to these classes each week and I've definitely carried it into other classes then too. Thanks. I just, yeah, I just was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking about too. Like I, it makes me wonder, you know, um, I'm wondering two things. Like the first thing is, you know, a lot of that traditional textbook based language instruction isn't good for teachers either. You know, like it kind of doesn't set you up. Like the students don't actually have the tools they need to talk with you or to stay in the language. Like the little, I like how Olivia was really intentional when when she was authoring this course about, you know, we're going to do Zoom language because that's our environment. And I think any teacher can do that. You know, think about your classroom space um, and and the things that you need to communicate on a daily basis. I mean, maybe kids have to leave like five minutes early for sports. Well, then build that vocab into your classroom, you know, like start it right away or, you know, the little things that go on in your environment that your students need. I also think the term survival, like the kids are also like gritty, <laughs> like when they're kind of like buying into that, you know, the goal isn't um, necessarily you're saying like um, superstar Spanish, you know, like everyone right. doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Um, we're going to survive. And that's that's great, too. Like we're going to just like be gritty and learn skills that we haven't learned before. Yeah, they have moved away a lot from that idea of perfectionism. And I'm a perfectionist type of human myself. So I get them. I know where they're coming from. And I've seen them move away from that a good bit. And they're just like, I communicated the idea. I got across what I needed or what I wanted. I'm content. And that's not to say that some of them don't come to me and say, okay, well, I want to take it a step further. I want to clean these things up. And that's okay. But I'm also fine if they wait until Spanish too. And we get to that. I'm just happy right now that they, 
when they need me to repeat something in the chat box, they write, repeat the por favor. Like I couldn't have seen that in a year ago. And it's, it's really cool to see. I just want to jump in and say something that's like maybe kind of unpopular in education, <laughs> but like one of my goals in building that course has been like, how can I cut back? What's the least vocabulary I can give these kids, <laughs> you know, which like that's framed in the unpopular kind of way. Right. And I mean, I mean that a little bit tongue in cheek, but like, we know that when you memorize something, it's in your short-term memory and you're going to lose it again. Mm -hmm. So we want as little in, we want as little clutter in there. If you get one phrase that can help you in a hundred situations, that's more valuable than 10 phrases that help you, you know, in fewer or whatever. Right. So um, that's been kind of, and I don't think I've, I mean, I think I could be better at it. I was sitting with one of our other teachers. This will be a shout out to Emily Carlson. Her course map for German is awesome. Mm -hmm. And she was like, really challenging. She was like three key structures each week, five key structures. And I'm looking back at mine and sometimes there's eight or 10 or 12 or, mm -hmm. you know, and I really admired that she was like, what is, whittle this down, whittle this down. What are the essentials? And I wanted yeah. to bring it back to your Korean learning. Like, are you able to find like, all right, maybe, I don't know if your goal is fluency or where you hope to get in Korean, but are you like, this is the bear, like, this is what I want to <sighs> be able to do. Like a hammer, a screwdriver, a wrench. <laughs> These are my basic things that will allow me to do all the stuff I want to do, you know? Okay. And that's a great thought. It's honestly a good thought for me as a learn as a learner, because it's not something I've thought about, like, where do I want to go with this? At first, it was just kind of something fun to do. And then it became like a challenge to myself, like, well, can you do this? You know, mm -hmm. is this are you just going through the motions? Or do you take this seriously? Mm -hmm. I would like to be able like if you dropped me off in South Korea, which don't plan on getting to do that trip anytime soon. But if you would drop me off, could I communicate that like how to get to food? How could I find where I need to go? Could I navigate a metro like those basic conversations? And there's so many different levels. We talk a lot in the romance languages about formality, like in Eng or Spanish. Are we using two versus stit? They've got like five levels of formality. And what I learned originally was like the highest level. And my teacher basically told me I sounded like a snot. And he was like, people are not going to help you on the street if you're talking at this level. And I said, okay, whoa, well, then what, what level should I be? So I'm actually going right now and unlearning phrases and concepts that I had learned. I'm going back and erasing them out of my brain and putting the new ones in there, which is hard because I'm now mixing things like I'm really formal and now I'm too informal. And so there's this weird pendulum swinging that I'm doing. Uh, but I think for me, it would just be basic key phrases. Like when I'm watching a show, I don't predict within the next year or so I'm going to be able to like, oh, I can look away from the show and still know what's going on. <laughs> but if I could pick out key phrases, um, you know, like asking somebody if they're okay, or why are you crying? Or where's the food? Or did you eat dinner? You know, just those key phrases to make me feel a little bit more comfortable and more connected to what I'm learning. I mean, I'm coming into something that's very culturally significant to South Korea as an American. And I want to be respectful is my biggest thing. Like I want to make sure I'm using terminologies and phrases that are respectful, that are relevant, and don't make me sound, you know, very ignorant is my big concern, I think. I commend you, for sure. It's and learning Thanks. language as a new writing system. And it's very challenging. But but it's been fun, like fluent, like whatever. That's the cool thing about the proficiency spectrum, right? Like anything right. you learn is more than you knew before. There's yeah. not some end point. So anything, you know, if you, as much or as little as you learn of it will allow you to connect with more people than you did yesterday. So you're you absolutely correct. Measure yourself like, oh, I got an A in this. There's no such yeah. thing, right? 
No, you're right. And I do celebrate those little tiny wins. Like we were in Koreatown in California, in LA this year. And I could read some of the signs and I was like, that's the dentist officer, you know, this is X, Y, Z. And I was so proud. Like it just felt so good. And now I get to see those moments in survival one with my Spanish speaking kiddos. And it's fun. It's nice to make those connections. Really awesome. Well, you know, there is a trip that's um, going to Morocco. If, if I saw that. Far. I mean, <laughs> I mean, talk about cultures, but Caroline are, we have oh, to get Caroline on here. To I love Caroline. I mean, that is so reasonably priced. It was. Yeah. 1100 and something dollars. And it includes lodging. I think you have to get your own airfare. It includes a lot of yeah. food. Tons of food. Um, I was really shocked. Amazing experience. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't pull it off yourself if you were no. organizing it. So, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. So halfway around the world, that's another half, yeah. and you're in Korea. You know? <laughs> halfway there, man. Uh, Carolyn Sibley at University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Arabic program there. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, get it out to folks. But yeah, this is pretty amazing. I mean, I think there's such a connection to you know what we believe at the world mm-hmm. of learning, right? That we want people to be in that safe, comfortable environment to learn a language. And I think, you know, I've been doing this for like 10 years with language learners. This feels like the conversation, I hope, um, I think that teachers are encouraging. You know, I think about people who have been teaching with us for a long time, like Ellen, like always gets really good feedback from her Japanese learners about being patient and, mm-hmm. and listening and, um, you know, it's who I want to be as an educator myself. I want to be approachable. I want people to be able to ask me questions. I don't want people to feel silly mm-hmm. when they don't know something. So I love that the way that our courses are set up, make you feel better as a teacher, Ashley. And um, I'm grateful that, you know, Lauren and Olivia are on this journey with all of us because, you know, you both have taught quite a bit in the world of learning program. So you, like kind of have your roots there. So this has been a really exciting conversation for me. I love the idea when we think about how other people feel and how what we do impacts that. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the definition of empathy, but um, that's my definition of empathy to try to do that. So any last thoughts as we kind of wind down here today? Ashley, it's so great to have you here. We appreciate you so much at the World of Learning. Uh, cool. I'm really grateful that I could come on today and share with you guys, you know, what my little passion project has been. Um, And I've just really enjoyed the authenticity of it, you know, getting to share with the kids that like, hey, I have a language class of my own to go to tonight and or telling them the next day, like, whoa, that one was a doozy. Like that was tough, guys, you know, and just kind of sharing with them because some of the kids are kind of interested and it is authentic. You know, they are looking at you like, okay, well, you're not somebody that's 10 miles ahead of me. You're right at the same level as me, even if it's a different language. So we talk so much about authenticity at the world of learning. And I think we as teachers at Wool do a great job of being authentic, like bringing our own real lives into the classroom, which again, creates empathy, you know, that little bit of community that we know you more than just a figurehead on a screen. It's really awesome. Lauren? Yeah, like, I just think that the fact that we have the coolest teachers and the kindest we teachers. Do. We do. And that um, there is a culture of sharing 
And so we know more about Ashley now and, and there's a space for us to share and to shine, um, for Ashley to shine and, and all of her gifts and everything. I just think um, it builds a really beautiful place and um, I'm lucky to be a part of it. One more to go. <laughs> Love you, do you wanna share oh, any final oh thoughts? My. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, I think every language teacher should put themselves in that position of learning language. I don't think, I think it should be a psychologically safe space. <laughs> I want to go on record saying that again. I know, it's still making um, nervous. But yeah, I think that everybody should do it and it doesn't have to be grand. It can be opening up Duolingo, it can be free. It doesn't have to take okay. extra time, right? It doesn't have to take extra money. Um, open up Duolingo, try a new language and just remind yourself what that feels like. And maybe there's an application in other subject areas? What does it mean for a science teacher to put themselves in a position to be learning something new about science that's in a field they're not, you know, an element of the field they're not comfortable with, or for a phys ed teacher to try a sport that they haven't tried in a long time, or maybe ever, right? Like, put yourself yeah. in a position of being a little uncomfortable so that you can empathize with your students. Well, as a phys ed teacher in our love education that. programs, we had to use our non-dominant hand to learn it. There you go. No. Oh, love it. No. <laughs> That's no. awesome. It, it, it was very, it was very humbling. It wasn't humiliating. It was just, okay, let's, humbling. you know, they yeah. actually said, let's get in the, this feel of somebody who maybe isn't as comfortable as sports, but mm -hmm. you no, know, I do think that that empathy is really important. And I do think having a safe space and there's so much research out there about that. So I feel really proud of the work that you all do. I feel proud to be associated with you and, and to get to shine the light. Um, because I, I think teaching is a hard profession and it's, it's not getting any easier. And um, so I'm really grateful for the people who choose to stay in teaching and to stay in the classroom with kids because it is really hard. And at the World of Learning, we are here in case somebody is not able to fill those positions. <laughs> um, so we are the World of Learning. If you have any questions about anything we've talked about today, please reach out. Uh, we are here if you can't find a teacher. We do world languages, science, um, calculus. And so if you if you have a need, we're long or short-term support. So I want to thank you all for joining me. This is a Friday afternoon. I don't know when you all are going to be listening to us, but <laughs> thank you for giving us your time today. And I will look forward to talking to you all soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for Good listening. Weekend. Thank you, guys.